जननीम शारदाम देवीम राम कृष्णम जगत गुरुम पाद पद्मे त्वयो श्रीत्वा प्रणमामी मोहुर मोहुर माय सैल्यूटेशंस टू श्री शारदा देवी द डिवाइन मदर ऑफ द यूनिवर्स एंड श्री रामकृष्ण द वर्ल्ड टीचर ओम नमः श्री यति राजाया विवेकानंद सूरये सचित सुखा स्वरूपाया Swami ne tapahari ne. And my salutations to Swami Vivekananda, the embodiment of knowledge and an embodiment of the sun. Thank you. So, good morning. So, good to see some old faces and some uh, some new faces as well. So today it's um it's going to be a very new talk today. The topic is. Christ's influence on Sri Ramakrishna. Now, I think last week there was a similar topic given by Swami Sarvadevanandaji on Sri Ramakrishna and Christ. And I think Swami Medhananda also previously gave a talk on did Sri Ramakrishna practice Christianity. So, mine is going to be slightly different from them. It's going to be slightly different because um, the last 10 years, as I think I explained before, I sp- these places I'm going to talk about today, not only the ideas, but the places I'm going to talk about, I visited them hundreds of times. And so, in addition to this, what you say, this, uh, I hope to bring some type of experiential aspect to this talk today, as well as once the experiential is there, then the transformational. So we say first academic then experiential, and finally transformational. Now, actually, this is the, this is the uh, I gave, I think, my final talk here before I went to Harvard Divinity School. So I was accepted as a, I've, this past four months, I've been attending Harvard Divinity School as one of the Hindu monks. Uh, this year, I was accepted. And so I also hope to bring some of those ideas into this talk as well. I took classes from probably the foremost authority on comparative theology, Christian Hindu theology, Professor Francis Clooney. And I'm pr- happy to say that I got an A in his class. He gave me the highest grade in his class. So, and as a tribute to him, in this talk, the first part of this talk, it's going to be on, did Christ influence Ramakrishna or not? This first part of this talk, as a thanks to him, I intend to rebut one of his claims. Now, once we go through that aspect of it, did Christ influence Ramakrishna? If so, how? That's the second aspect. That's what we call experiential. The third aspect of this talk will be, which is in conjunction with the new year coming up. What do we think of when the new year is coming up right now? What do we all want, right? Transformation. So the third part is transformational. So these three aspects. In fact, uh, as I've gone over like the last 10 years I've been in India, and I've done a lot of research, especially in the Ramakrishna, and if you ask, I think I visited almost every holy place in India. But it was never just as a pilgrim. It was always with these three aspects in mind. This intellectual engagement, experiential transformational. 
And what I'd like to do is, what we try to do is take like one moment in Ramakrishna's life, we call it one moment in time, and engage in this three-axis prong. So beginning with that, the question first is, did Christ in- influence Ramakrishna? So I'm going to show you just a picture from here, because today we're not going to have PowerPoint. If you can, what do you see in this picture right here? Can anyone say? Yeah, Mother Mary and Jesus. Does anybody recognize the significance? Can you, you don't have to say, does anyone recognize the significance of this photo? Yes, but what about this specific photo is significant? Yes. So this forms the set of facts we're dealing with today. Uh, professor, in Harvard, they all said, what are the set of facts you're dealing with? In 1874, Sri Ramakrishna, while practicing spiritual disciplines, uh, again, just a little background, he came, how many of you, all of you know who Sri Ramakrishna is here? He's a great mystic saint. Some consider him an incarnation. And he, he was born in 18, uh, 1836. He moved to Kolkata in 1853. And from 1853 to 1886, he lived in Kolkata. And between the years of uh, 1853 and 1865, he performed a variety of spiritual practices and realized this, what you call experiential truth in all the different doctrines of Hinduism, including the dualistic doctrines and the non-dualistic doctrines. Okay? I'm just giving a brief overview. If you wish to know further, you can read the Gospel of Ramakrishna and I, or the uh, Life of Ramakrishna by Roman Roland, Roland. And those books are available in the bookstore. Anyways, after realizing the highest, experiencing the highest truths in Hinduism, up to 1865, in 1866, a Muslim devotee came. His name is Govinda Rai. And he's a Sufi Islamic. And Ramakrishna was very inspired by him that he began practicing Islam. So for, for three days he practiced Islam sadhana, Islam spiritual practices. And then what happened at, at the end of the third day, he saw a great figure with a long beard, and that merged into him. Okay? Uh, there's a lot to unpack there, but we're going to bypass that. That's not the sp- uh, scope of the talk today. So we'll, that's for another... We can do that during question and answer session today. Now, after that, in 1874, Ramakrishna went to this... Um, he was living in Dakshinishwar, so he saw this picture right here. This actual picture is now in the San Francisco Vedanta Society, not in India. And so when he saw this picture, it's um, rays of light. This picture, he suddenly saw Mother Mary and uh, baby Jesus, and it's like he had a spiritual experience where all these, it's like the rays of light from this Christ and Mother Mary entered into him. Then for the next three days, he was in what's called a Christ bhav, a Christ state. We'll look into that. But I can just tell you this. I was living in the monastery of San Francisco for some time, so I used to see this picture every day. I would stare at it, but nothing ever happened to me. (laughs) But one thing, when I was 
in prepared preparation for this talk, as I was looking at this picture, one thing I was noticing is that if you look at Mother Mary, you see like where is her attention? It's completely fixed on Jesus, baby Jesus. And another thing I noticed is that uh, she has this shawl and baby Jesus is wrapped in this shawl. <laughs> and he's, he has her, he's holding her, her hands on her and he's looking out. So before we begin, I just wanted to say this reminded me of one scene in the Bhagavatam with Krishna and a similar situation with Krishna where uh, I think Krishna was, uh, was asked to return to Mathura and he was living with his, you could say, foster mother Yashoda and then he was asked to return to Mathura. So she started to weep she, when she found out she's a foster mother and not his actual mother. So as he was about to leave, he had to defeat an evil king in Mathura. He turned to his foster mother, Yashoda, and said, whatever you do, please don't weep. Why? Because even in incarnation, they have to deal with so many violence and greed of the world to do dharma. But how can they survive in this world? So your love, your unconditional love, the unconditional love of the mother gives me that courage to survive. So they say even the incarnations that come to this world, they also need a mother's love. They come to experience the joy of that mother's love. Now, there's three different, there's three different ways we can uh, interpret the question, did Christ influence Ramakrishna? One set of Christian scholars will say absolutely not. Why? You didn't go to church every Sunday. You did not get baptized. How can you call yourself a Christian, let alone practice Christian spiritual sadhana, let alone be influenced by Christ? Absolutely not. On the other side, there'll be Hindu scholars and devotees, including my father. He said, how, how dare you say that? They'll go to the other side. They'll say Ramakrishna is... Avatara Brishthaya, the greatest of the incarnations. How dare you say anybody else can influence him? Okay? Then we have a third set of uh, scholars. I mentioned uh, Father Professor Clooney, the leading theologian in comparative studies between Christianity and Hinduism. He said, yes, Ramakrishna did practice this spiritual, these three days of Christianity. And he did have an authentic experience, experience, spiritual experience, but there the matter ended. It did not influence the rest of his life. He did it at the discretion of the, of the Divine Mother, and then he went back and lived his regular life according to, to the discretion of the, whole, of the Divine Mother. Now, I'm going to rebut that. I'm going to show that, no, there is, before and after, there is a difference in Ramakrishna's behavior, Sri Ramakrishna's behavior before and after. Another claim Swami Medhananda had made is that uh, during his earlier talk is that Ramakrishna, he practiced this spiritual practice during these three days and it continued for the rest of his life. I would also rebut that, that according to the Yoga Sutras and Swami Sharadananda in this book called The uh, Great Master Lila Prashanga talks about this, that the mind of an incarnation, it's like this cosmic divine mind. So all these impressions, all these tendencies are already within it. 
So you can say that, otherwise, how could he have the experience of Kali, Rama, Krishna, Christ? They're already there. They're just in a dormant state. So they need to be awakened. That's all. So now, going back to where Ramakrishna first started practicing Christianity, normally, I, I did some research on this, and normally it is said that in, according to the scholars, that he first started practicing Christianity, he first visited a Christian church in 1881. And this is the a picture of the church. It's, it's called Holy Trinity Church. And I, I went here on many occasions. So they, they said that he was afraid to enter inside the church because he was afraid that the, uh, the priest, the Hindu priest, would not allow him to come back inside the Kali temple if he entered inside the church. So he, in 1881, it's reported that he went from outside and looked within inside. He just wanted to see how the different Christian prayed. He was really interested in that. But what I found, and there's another book by Swami Prabhananda, a scholar of Ramakrishna literature. He actually first visited a church in 1868. This is right near where I lived. It's a, it's a Methodist church. And uh, last year, or two years ago, I went here on Christmas Eve, and I met the Christian priest here. And he actually told me, I, I spoke with him, and he told me that even now many devotees of Ramakrishna visit the church, and they're interested in the church because Ramakrishna had visited, visited here. And they ask questions about Christianity as well. So this took place in 1868. Now, another encounter took place in 1868. That was Ramakrishna's Interaction with um, Michael Madhusudana. How many of you here have heard of Michael Madhusudana? Okay. So he was a uh, he was a very famous Bengali poet, and he also was a lawyer at that time for the Dakshinishwar estate where Ramakrishna lived. So at that time, when um, Michael Madhusudana came. Somebody asked him, why did, you convert to Christian why did you convert to Christianity from Hinduism? And Michael Madhusudana replied, he pointed to his stomach, and he said in Bengali, Peter Jonno, for the sake of my stomach. Now, after saying that, he turned to Ramakrishna and asked, say something about Mother Kali. You've had so many experiences of the Divine Mother, say something. But he felt like something like it was pressing down his tongue. He could not even speak at that time. So something was preventing him from speaking. So this took place in 1868. Then what happened after that was in... So this, you might say that on one side that this... Why would he not speak? Here's someone, why would he not speak? So again, this took place in 1868. In 1871... He met uh, a devotee, his name was um, Shambhu Malik, and he was a scholar in the Bible and a devotee of Christ. So one thing about Ramakrishna, he was always inspired, not so much by the, maybe by the teachings, but especially by the devotion of the devotees. If he saw somebody 
in a particular religion who had, who had a lot of devotion towards that particular deity, he became very inspired. So this happened with Shambhu Malik in 1871. So he used to go and visit him regularly. So for three, four years, he would get training from him about the teachings of Christ. Then, in 1874, as I mentioned before, he saw this, he saw Christ's picture, and it said that, I'll just read you the exact words, one day suffused with the thought and spirit of Jesus Christ, he was sitting alone in the parlor of Jadunath Malik's garden house. There were on the walls of the room some good paintings, including one of the Virgin Mary with the baby Jesus in her arms. Ramakrishna felt drawn to this picture. As he was looking intently at it, he felt that the picture became living and luminous, and that rays of light struck forth from the mother and the child and entered his heart. Now, in that experience, he also saw visions of Christian padres offering incense in their hearts to Christ. So overwhelmed by this experience, for the next three days, he put away all his pictures of Hindu deities. He did not enter into the Kali temple at all. And he only had this one bhav of Christ in his mind. There's something significant about this state. Swami Vivekananda used to say, he would eat and dress like the people he wanted to understand, take their initiation, and use their language. One must learn to put oneself into another man's or woman's very soul. So how significant that is today, to learn to put ourselves into the soul of another person. At the end of the third day, as Ramakrishna was strolling, so there was an area behind there called the Panchabhati, where he used to practice spiritual sadhana, and at the end of the third day, he had a vision, he saw a luminous figure approaching him, and approaching him, he realized that, that the visitor must be a foreigner, for he was of a very com fair complexion, had long eyes with uncommon brilliance, and the tip of his nose was a little flat. In, in Bengali, they said, Nak ektu chap. The tip of the nose was very flat. This is very interesting because normally, how do we see the portrayal of Christ in pictures? It's a kind of a it's a kind of uh, perpendicular nose, right? It's kind of sharp nose, right? So, actually, Ramakrishna was asking later on some of his disciples about this. Aicha, how do you, you, you study the Bible? How did you see Christ's nose? They found out that there were three different descriptions. And in one of the descriptions, they said the tip of the nose was a little flat. So I'm going to present something now that I did a little research because now with the internet there, you can have much more access than before. So I, I was looking at the, doing a little bit of research on the internet and I found this picture. This is a Christ picture and you can see the tip of his nose. It's a little flat. It's in, it was in Italy. I think Bonapolo, Bonapolo, Italy. And there's a one scholar theorizes that they can't, uh, the Pope visited this 
veil, it's called the veil of Veronica. Some say it's a veil of Veronica. And some say that it was on the tomb of Christ uh, when he was first buried. Some scholars theorize that. Others say that they cannot trace the origin. But in any case, it at least date back, dates back to the 1500s. So you can just see there that the tip of Christ's nose is a little bit flat. And just in case anybody is interested, uh, Swami Shardhananda described that he looked at two books published in the 19th century. One is Cunningham Geek's The Life and Words of Christ, published in 1877, and Frederick William Farrar's Life of Christ, published in 1874. Anyways, as, the, as Ramakrishna saw the figure of Christ entering near him, he heard a cry of recognition, and he said, Jesus, Jesus the Christ, the great yogi, the loving son of God, one with the Father, who gave his heart's blood and put up with endless torture in order to deliver men from sorrow and misery. Now, this is quite significant because after this experience, we see a change in Ramakrishna. In fact, Swami Shardhananda talks about this, that in any spiritual practice, first we go deep in our own spiritual sadhana. So in Bengali, they say gobhir. So we go deep into our own spiritual practice. And yet at a later stage, what happens is we become broad. So first depth and then breath. Now, regarding this idea, um, Christians had this, so Professor Clooney had mentioned that Ramakrishna, that he did not, he was not influenced by Christ after those three days. But we have uh, a lot of evidence to the contrary. In eight, uh, let's see, in 1881, it's reported in the Gospel of Ramakrishna that Williams, a Protestant, Protestant Christian, came to Dakshinishwar on Good Friday, 1881. And at that time, Ramakrishna was appearing in a deep state of samadhi, spiritual trance, and Williams reverentially knelt before him with hands folded and tears rolling down his face. And looking up at him, he kissed his feet. He saw within Ramakrishna his own Ishta Devata. Again, as I mentioned, in 1882, Ramakrishna uh, wanted to visit the Church of Christ and see how Christians prayed. So, I met, so he went to the Holy Trinity Church at that time, wanting to see how Christians prayed. Now, in 1885, there were two incidents. One took place in Shampukur. Uh, the name of the person was Prabhu Dayal Mishra. So he came, he, was a, he went, went to meet Ramakrishna. He was a Christian. So when he met Ramakrishna, seeing him, he, again he said, in you I see my Ishta Devata, I see Christ. And Ramakrishna also became excited at that time. Finally, there was a conversation in 1885 Master Mahashai, he was um, visiting 
the, uh, the home of a, a devotee, a Golatma, and he was asking at that time, she was a poor Brahmin wid widow, and she was, um, at that time, Master Mahoshai told him about the story of Master Martha and Mary. Does anyone here know the story of Martha and Mary? Okay, so this is the main problem in the monastery, actually. We have, we have I think, Mar Martha is the one who did all the work, right? Okay, so Martha was doing all the work, and Mary was just sitting in, in front of Jesus and just in a, in a trance, just admiring, right? So, so when Ramakrishna visited this devotee's house, Golapma, she's seeing Ramakrishna, she was just sitting there with folded hands. But her sister was downstairs doing all the cooking and preparations. So then her sister from downstairs complained that tell my sister to come down and help me. And then Ramakrishna said, no, no, she has the right attitude. You know, she has this devotion towards God. So, um, but that's a problem in the monastery, right? Because if everybody has the, has the attitude of Martha, how will the work get done? <laughs> in fact, you could say in the monastery, we need more, uh, we need more Marthas rather than Marys, yes. <laughs> so at that time, um, one thing about Ramakrishna, he never forced his ideas upon you. Any type, like the first time he met Master Mahoshai, he would not say to worship this God or that God. He would say, what is your conception of God? Do you believe in God with form, without form? What particular God do you like? He would answer. Then he would say, and what is your conception of me? What do you think of me? Okay? So he never tried to influence. He, he would question. He would encourage questioning in spirituality. Same thing here. When Master Mahoshai, that day, he was, uh, he was seeing this, uh, these two sisters, he was reminded of Martha and Mary. So then at that time, what he did, he told the story of Martha and Mary, and Ramakrishna became very interested. Then Master Mahoshai added, I see other similarities between you and Christ. And he said, like what? He said, like, uh, like Christ took on the, the sins of others. So same thing, you're here for your devotees. In fact, one of Swami, uh, his chief disciples, Swami Vivekananda, mentioned this, that at the end of his life, Ramakrishna had throat cancer. So he raised, what sin did this pure man ever commit in his life that he would suffer from throat cancer? And they said that, no, he took on the, uh, the sins of his devotees. So that type of redeemer aspect. Why am I saying this? What's the connection between 1868 and now? Do you see that expansion of heart? When he met Michael Madhushudana in 1868, you know, when he found out he had converted to Christianity, now tell me something about the Divine Mother. He felt like something was pressing down his tongue, right? But now you see in 1885, 1886, after that spiritual experience, you see this broadening. So what we call that, this transformation of the knower, experiential, that Christ did influence Ramakrishna. He did broaden him. That's only one aspect of it. So we talked about Clooney's claim, trying to rebut Clooney, uh, Professor Clooney's claim. We talked about this experiential aspect of Ramakrishna experiencing Christ Bhav and the influence, the broadening influence it had, it had on him. Now, 
The third aspect, which we're most concerned with, what we do we call that? This transformation. I just took a class in Harvard on Buddhism. Buddhism is a friendship. It was very beautiful. They call it in, the word they use is Kalyan Mitta, which in Kalyan Mitta in Pali means loving kindness. So, not to go, just go, they said Buddha, his disciples asked him that, uh, Ananda asked him, he, uh, Buddha asked his disciple, is fr- what is friendship? Ananda answered, it's half of spiritual life. Then Buddha answered, no, it's not half of spiritual life. It's the whole of spiritual life. So what we find is that this concept of Kalyan Mitta, and that's defined as being a friend being to the entire world. So in these, um, these Jataka tales in the Buddha, about the life of Buddha, they said when this great one was born, not only he was transformed, the, wor- the area he was born became transformed, and the entire world became transformed. This is this Kalyan Mitta. So same thing, this transformation of the knower and the known. So when this transformation took place in Ramakrishna, so after that we can see, I'll give you an example. In 1884, uh, one Bengali actress, Noti Binodini, how many of you have heard of her? Okay. So anyways, that doesn't matter if you've heard of her or not, but understand the context of, 18, of Bengali actresses, that at that time, it was considered like prostitutes would be acting on the scene at that time. So many people considered them to be untouchables, okay, on the, on the actress stage. Even those like, I think, Ishwar Vidyashagar, who were very popular reformists, they would not even dare to enter to the theater because they thought it was, it was not becoming. So this Noti Binodini, she was asked to play the role of um, a very famous spiritual figure, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So the Orthodox Hindu society was aghast at it. How dare she play the role of this saintly figure, being a prostitute? So she felt very bad, you know. She, everybody was criticizing her. But um, her mentor told her, okay, you do this. You pray to the Lord. You play, make me pure. Make me pure to play this role. So she did that. She became very repentant. She meditated before playing this role. So the day she went to, to act in the Star Theater, that day they invited Ramakrishna. So he came that day. And when he came that day, looking at her on the stage, acting, he did not see a woman, a man, a prostitute, nothing. He saw the divine. He saw God coming and acting in that person. What did I mention? Kalyan Mitta, right? Wherever you have a theater, you'll have Ramakrishna's picture. <laughs> and all the actors, actresses, everyone, before they start, they first salute that, then they start. So this is this transformation, not only of the known, a knower, but the known. Not only that, so it extended beyond that too. He taught this to his disciples. Swami Vivekananda, his chief disciple, one of his chief disciples. 
So some of you here may have heard that there's this where there's the scene where um, Swami Vivekananda was a monk, and he's the founder of our organization. So one day he was went to the Raja of Khitri, and he, I think a dancing girl went there, and she was performing some songs. And he, being a monk, did not want to go. He said, no, why should I go? She's a dancing girl. I'll stay in my room. So hearing this, she became very sad, this dancing girl. And she started, um, she started singing a very beautiful song that, oh Lord, yeah, don't look down upon my sins, you know. You are same-sighted. You see that samadarshana, dash, sama, you see the same-sidedness everywhere. So Swami Vivekananda, hearing that, he became a monk, so he came to give up all these attachments, good and bad, right? That changed his mind. So immediately he went to the, um, where the girl was singing, and he sat there. This transformation, so these, we, slowly these biases in our minds get removed. We get broadened. In fact, afterwards, Swami Vivekananda said that in the beginning of my spiritual life, if I saw a woman walking on one side, I would walk on the other side because he's a monastic. Then he added, but now I can even live in the same house as a prostitute and not even for a moment would a word of condom- would a thought of condemnation enter into my mind. Is this degeneration? Or is this expansion? So Swami Vivekananda said again and again, expansion is life and contraction is death. Same thing with Swami Brahmananda. We have some of the Krishna Prana and Raja Prana. We have some of the spiritual granddaughters of Swami Brahmananda here. So same thing with him. There's another actress, Tara Sundari, she was, acting the 19, uh, she was acting after Ramakrishna passed away. And so she used to also feel like impure. But she went to Swami Brahmananda. And Swami Brahmananda again gave her that shelter. And she became transformed. She felt that she was divine. He's divine and I'm divine. In fact, going back to Noti Binodini, that Bengali actress, she wrote, they found in her journal that she wrote that the whole world may condemn me, but I don't care. I got the blessings of a great man, and I'm divine. I'm forever transformed. So this is how that transformation comes. So when we talk about Christ's influence on Ramakrishna, it's not only Ramakrishna, it's the Ramakrishna order, the Ramakrishna movement, and it's also this bhav. Now I'll backtrack Christ's influence on Ramakrishna. Our, you could say that our monastery, monastic order, was founded on Christmas Eve of 1886. Swami Vivekananda with his brother disciples went to Anpur, a village there, and he, he practiced this. Um, he, he, they took their final vows on the Christmas Eve day. Again, you can see that we have a pictures of Christ here. We have pictures of Christ in our different temples, we perform different pujas all over India, and even in America as well. In fact, Swami Brahmananda, 
in uh, one of the disciples of Ramakrishna. It's recorded by uh, a Western disciple, Sister Deva Mata. She saw that on one occasion in Madras, during Christmas Eve or Christmas Day Puja, that suddenly Swami Brahmananda became very still. And he was known as a great a person of great spiritual experience. So he became very still. And afterwards they asked him what happened. He said he saw Jesus in a blue cloak and just standing there. So again, these things, these experiences transform us. Now, that leads to our third stage, that, um, which is how does that affect us, though? Right? How does that affect us as spiritual aspirants? So, I think that one thing I saw that when I went to Harvard, for example, uh, that it's important that in this day and age where there's so much division, so much polar- polarity, and so much conflict. In fact, you can say in Harvard, Unfortunately, I think you've read in the newspaper, sometimes these sacred spaces become corrupted. I've seen that even with the students there. They need, they want spiritual experience because these sacred spaces have become corrupted. In other words, it's become infiltrated with politics. So, not only spiritual experience is important, but also what we call this transformation of the knower. How can I look upon if we took Ramakrishna's bhav, his expansion after this Christ experience, how can I apply, apply that in my own life? What are my own biases? What are the ways that I look at the world? What can I do to, um, can I examine, do I have that self-reflexivity to look at my own biases, to see what my likes and dislikes are? Do I have biases towards other people? I found that when I was in Harvard. I found that this was very expansive for me. I personally felt that groups of people of different orientations, different genders, I never thought I would, uh, I mixed with everybody. And I slowly, slowly found that these tiny biases that I had, they were slowly getting removed or expanded. And there was a great joy in that, you know, this expansion, there's a great joy. Once we're kind of rooted in a tradition and we feel that we've gotten something from that, then this next stage of expansion going towards others and what I, again, what I talked about, this kalyan mitta, this transformation of the knower, the known. So that's a very important spiritual practice that I kind of encourage all of us to look for in our own lives. So I'd like to now end the talk and then have question and answer session. Is that okay, Krishna Prana? Okay. Okay, that's fine. Okay, we'll do that. Om Shanti 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 Harihi Om Tatsat Sri Ramakrishna Panamastu I think we finished a little bit early today, but we'll have question and answer session next. Okay, if, any, if anyone has any uh, questions or anything, point of discussion. 
you can uh, you you can bring the microphone. We'll just wait. Oh, Linda, uh, can you get the microphone, please? So, um, my spiritual background is more towards Sufism. Yeah. And so my interest is in Ramakrishna's interaction with some more information about his interaction with Islam or was it a a mystical order or just in general um, more information about his and the length of time or in depth that he went into that. Yes, so um, it was between 1866 and 1867 there was a Sufi mystic named Govinda Rai and I'll give you a couple of encounters because um so in 1867, he came to Dakshinishwar, and uh, at that time, Dakshinishwar was like many people of different spiritual temperaments would come, of all, especially of different Hindu denominations, and also some Islamic. Anybody who wanted to practice spiritual sadhana, it was like a very charged place, Dakshinishwar at that time. Even now it is. So Govinda Rai came. So when Ramakrishna saw Govinda Rai. He was so enchanted with his, um, what do you say, his love for Allah, his love for his religion. So he was so enchanted by that, so he learned about Allah from Govinda Rai. He studied under him. So that was one thing about Ramakrishna, he had different gurus, right? In Advaita, Tantra, Ram tradition, Vaishnav, Shakta. Even you could say in Islam and Christianity, he had a guru. Shambhu Malik was, his, you could say, his guru in Christianity. And his guru in Islam was this Govinda Rai. So after, um, I don't know how long, the records are not really clear about that, how long he t- instructed him. But then after that, what happened was that he, one day, he went into Isla- Allah Bhav, and he started repeating the name of Allah, Allah. And he had a vision of uh, a person with a long beard uh, appearing before him. So this went on for three days. And after three days, like this person approached him and kind of merged into him. So any type of spiritual practice he would, Ramakrishna would practice, always at the end there would be some merging. When he practiced this uh, spiritual practice of Sita, he, at the end Sita merged into him, and they said that he had Sita's loving smile. This monkey, Honuma, monkey god Honuman, when he merged into him, they said his backside of his uh, the back his backside became elongated like a monkey's. So when this Allah also something merged into him, it's difficult to give uh, to interpret what that actually means. But they say rays of light merged into him. So Swami Prabhanandaji interpreted that as starting with this Saguna Brahman, starting with this realization at the. Um, personal God level. And when it ends up with this rays of light, it ends with near Guna Brahman, beyond, uh, beyond name, beyond form, that highest Advaitic truth. Right, so, right, so, so that, that's a good point. So, 
when I think I mentioned that Swami Vivekananda said that whenever Ramakrishna would practice anything, he would put his whole mind and soul into that. So when he wanted to practice Islam for these three days, being an Orthodox Brahmin, he even told his, um, he wanted it that somebody should come, a Muslim cook should come and cook beef, <laughs> which is forbidden in Hinduism. So then his uh, Mathur Babu, his caretaker, heard about this. So he said, he uh, actually hired like in someone to show a Brahmin priest how to prepare some Muslim dishes Islam without the beef. To that extent, Ramakrishna wanted to go. In fact, also at that time, he put away all the pictures of any Hindu deities. He just became merged in Islam. In fact, at that time, I researched that there's a um, mosque right outside of Dakshinishwar. And he used to go to that mosque for those three days every day and do prayer there. And there was this one great, um, I think the abbot in charge of the masjid there, he would look at Ramakrishna. He was a very venerable person with a long beard. He would look at, look at him and say, oh good, you've come, come. <laughs> so they felt like he was one of theirs. You know, that they felt like this is one of our own. They didn't feel that distinction. He's a Hindu who's trying to practice. No, they felt this is, one of our, this is our own brother. One additional story that's not in the great master that I discovered later on, that is Ramakrishna one day was riding in a horse carriage, uh, going past one mosque, he saw one fakir, four fakir, Islamic fakir, outside of the mosque, just praying, crying, crying, crying for Allah. So Ramakrishna, as he's, he gets off his horse carriage, he goes and he hugs the person. I went to that mosque actually where that incident took place. So really what's striking is more than the dogmas that you're talking about, what touched him the most was the, in Bengali we say bakulata, that yearning, spiritual yearning. Whoever it may be, whatever form it may be, but that yearning to realize God in that form. That's what attracted him the most. Thank you, Maharaj, for a beautiful lecture. Uh, I'm Somnath Sarkar. I, uh, I was amazed to hear all these experiences you're bringing here. And you've been to many of these church and mosque and now Harvard Divinity School. Um, what out of all this significant experience you have in your life and when you went to Harvard Divinity School, what stand out for you with all those experience in the class? Could you kindly share? Um, I can just, uh, because now I'm still in Harvard Divinity School, so that's, I'm immersed in that right now, you know, so everything else. But I think that what stands out to me is that, um, that uh, in spite of great intellects, how much suffering there is in the world now, and the need for sacred spaces that are uncorrupted, now, even in Harvard, these sacred spaces, they're now, I'm not taking a side one side or the other, but from both sides or whatever side, people come, they protest, right? So that creates that, that need for sacred spaces. So what Ramakrishna represented, you don't have to accept him even as an incarnation or whatever, but as a person of God, that taking religion at the experiential level, not at the dogma level. Yes, he's had this experience, 
And according to Swami Vivekananda, according to Raja Yoga, it's my birthright to also have that experience as well. If he had it, so can I. So would you, um, would you kindly educate me or everybody else among us that uh, a person who is pure doesn't matter what his spiritual belief, that purity touch everyone, right? Absolutely. And just going back to your other point, that I think that, like I said, you know, um, I did all types of things this last semester that I never did before. I went to LG, uh, my friend invited me to LGBTQ community meeting. I went there. And people were there, it was really interesting. Um, people, they were, like, they were meeting in secret, right? And they were like, not exposing themselves, even now. Hearing their experiences brought a great change in me too. Like I said, expansion. What Swami Vivekananda talked about, expansion. We have to look at our own selves, see what our own biases are, and keep expanding. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, of course. And so, what like, I, I found there that people felt, whatever the religion may be, Islam, Hinduism, Christianity, they felt kind of discriminated against, that they could not uh, be themselves. So then I mentioned our Vedanta society, that, um, you know, that we don't think like that here, that we... Actually, we see everyone as divine, as the Atman, as the divine self. So what you are, what your orientation, these, you're ultimately divine. And I think uh, at that meeting I spoke, I spoke about one of my teachers in Northern California, Swami Prabhudhanandaji. And um, he was, there's a person named Chris. He, he was gay. So he was living at our old temple. And I think uh, one day he told the Swami, the abbot, abbot there, Swami Prabhudhananda. He was not sure what, how he would react if he would be, oh, you can't, you know, if there would be some stigma or some bias there. So Swami Prabhudhananda, this venerable Hindu monk, when he heard this, the first thing he says, oh, does he have a job? <laughs> does your partner have a job? So that ultimately, you see, it's about expansion. Not, not, you can live your own, we're not saying, but expansion of heart. That's just only one thing. But just how to expand ourselves, how to expand that idea of seeing this God in everybody, right? At the same time, Ramakrishna was very smart. He said, yes, God is in everybody. God is in the tiger, but you should not hug the tiger. <laughs> so you have to apply your practical, in Bengali we say, Baba Harika Buddhi. So you don't, you don't, God, I love you. I, no, I love you and you just hug the tiger, you hug the lion. No, you, you apply your discrimination. But that should always be there in the background. Yes, this World is divine consciousness. So that's anyways, just to answer your question, that, that's what I try to, that's one thing I found that I greatly benefited from, from meeting different types of people outside of my comfort zone. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, speaking on the topic of pictures, I was wondering if you could tell the history behind this picture because that's how I first found out about your society. When the internet was new in 95, I came across that picture and it enchanted me for many years. And then I did the research and found out you can get it through your society. So. Right, right. Um, uh, yes. So this is the picture she's showing uh, Christ in a yogic posture. And actually I saw the original of this. It's in the San Francisco Old Temple. But actually the... Um, I have to say, I don't know the exact history behind this. But I believe that there's one version that Christ uh, went to India 
and practice spiritual sadhana, spiritual practices in India. For what was it? They say like, do you know, like, like 40 years, that there's one version that he went, he went and practiced spiritual practices in India, and it's at that time he accumulated his spiritual power, awoken that. But I'm sorry, I, I, um, and this is a very beautiful picture we sell in our bookstore, so anybody can see. Yeah. Okay, can you, can you uh, speak a little bit more on that? Okay. And that's why it's there. Okay. It's also on the cover of one of your books there. Um, Sermon on the Mount. Yes. There is a book, uh, Sermon on the Mount, according to Swami Prabhavanandaji, which is a very wonderful Vedantic interpretation of Christianity and Christ's teachings and Christ's life. Actually, in Vedanta, we, f- we don't focus so much on the... We focus more on this life and teachings. That's what our, we try to do. In fact, that when we talk about this teaching, this... Kalyan Mitta, I didn't mention this during the talk, when Christ said, I and my Father are one. Love thy neighbor as thyself. So what I wanted to say is that when Ramakrishna is expanding himself, when he's seeing that Christ, he actually had that vision of Christ, this is Jesus who gave his heart's blood for the sake of humanity. So that, I, that's what my speculation, that really expanded, that caused that expansion within. Again, you could say if that was already there, it had to be awakened. That's I'm not going to comment on. But um, regarding this type of picture, Ramakrishna liked these types of pictures. He used to want pictures of, uh, he used to have a, one picture, he wanted a picture, I think, of a, a Hindu monk smo- um, smoking a hubble bubble, like a tobacco pipe at that time. <laughs> because it represented that, uh, it's the association of spiritual practice, intense spiritual practice. How did you know I wanted to ask something? <laughs> Given I, I met Swami at Harvard Divinity School in, in one of the classes, and the one on friendship, but particularly, but what I'm really interested in, and because I've been in this sort of expansive mode as a result of my exposure to HDS, is when you talked about um, um, Ramakrishna, Krishna, um, Relating to sorrow and suffering in Christ, yeah, which I thought was really interesting because later you alluded to the sin factor, which um, a vast majority of the Christian tradition is about him saving people from their sins. And what I've been looking at this last year and a half is black liberation theology and how. Um, sort of the American slave population morphed that into their belief that Christ related to them from a sour, sour, so, tongue tied, my tongue has been touched, the so, sorrow and suffering yes. of humanity, not necessarily the, the savior from sins. And I'm connecting that with what you said today. Have you seen any of that in your studies yet, or have you even moved into that particular part of study? I mean, that, that's in the Gospel of Ramakrishna too, that uh, that's one important distinction. So, and that's there in Christianity, that, that concept, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I need to be saved. But that's actually diametrically opposed. Ramakrishna says, 
according to our Vedantic teaching, he who says papam papam in Bengali means sinner, sinner, he becomes a sinner. And he who says, I am God, I'm, it's, I'm God, he becomes God. He or she becomes God. So actually, in Vedanta, we believe that no, no one's a born sinner. You're, you're that perfect Atman, that, div- that divinity incarnate. And the goal is that we've forgotten that to how to awaken that. You understand what I'm saying? Not, you're, you're, you're eternally pure and perfect. How to awaken that? We've forgotten that. We were identifying with this mind-body-ego complex. But this is not my real soul. My real is that divine self, that Atman. So how to, Ramakrishna, how to, how to awaken that impulse in others? Like yeah. he did with this, this Noti Binodini, that, that actress. Like Christ did with Mary Magdalene. But there is one difference. It's a sin. Swami Vivekananda used to say it's a sin to call man or woman a sinner. Veritable divine beings on earth. We need to talk more. Okay. <laughs> Bob, did you have any comment you want to say? Anything? Or do you, uh, you, uh, okay. Oh, okay. You're putting me on the spot. Okay. <clears throat> but I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I very much enjoyed the, the, the talk. Um, you know, what's uh, apparent to me uh, also on a personal level is how, um, you know, this was, um, this, this concept of, uh, Christ being, um, uh, or Christ-like um, being a part of, of your beliefs um, or your spiritual uh, journey, uh, you know, was apparent back, um, you know, when we were younger, uh, much younger. Um, and so, uh, not to... Uh, um, you know how it relates to um, the the talk today. I'm not exactly sure, but maybe speaks more on Vedanta, um, your you know your temple uh, growing up. But uh, that you would uh, tell me, you know. So I wasn't so much closed-minded growing up, but ignorant, and that you you opening my eyes to that you know. Uh, you know, we're not that different. You know, our beliefs aren't that different. Um, just because you're Christian and I'm Hindu, um, you know, our uh, you know our our beliefs are, are quite similar. Right. Um, so, um, and, and pointing out some of that to me, um, you know, at a young age certainly opened my mind. So this this talk today, you know, I very much appreciate and um, really goes back to um, some of our first uh, deep conversations. I want to mention, probably you know or do not know, that in Hinduism, Christ is considered as one of the incarnations of the God. Just like we see Ram, Krishna, Ram, Sita, their incarnation, like Christ is also considered as an incarnation of God. So it is not a way other than an incarnation.
Okay, that's that's the uh, I think that's the end of it. So then we'll just uh, okay. Now we'll just close off then. Thank you. Though. Oh, sure.